Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. If it brings her to the same point that it brings you, it doesn't matter whether she called it God along the way or not. That understanding works for you, so therefore it is absolutely right for you. All beliefs have become only relatively true, and of course to the world, religion is just some personalized experience, not a divine revelation, and the church is catching the disease. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Are you kidding me? All of life is about feelings these days. This is a wretched rich Jimmy. I just hit a post. You did. You did a great job. I'm impressed. Well, except I interrupted myself in the midst of my actually hitting a post for a change. Feelings. The world loves the emotions that are hidden in their heart, which dictate not just the trajectory of their life, but the nature of truth itself. If you recall, I've been talking about a book by Dr. Carl Truman called Strange New World. His effort to explain why the world is behaving the way that it is these days. And he does it through a study of philosophy, secular humanistic philosophies. Individual attempts to try to explain issues of being, of existence, of truth, and of reality. And while you could go on forever with following the flow of bad secular humanistic philosophies, he starts with Jean-Jacques Rousseau, that the real you is stuffed inside of you. And, and you need to get it out because civilization is keeping you from being the you that is inside of you that is repressed. Well, individuals took that baton, including philosopher, not just economist, philosopher Karl Marx, Friedrich Nietzsche, and they, they took it, carried a little bit further, not agreeing with everything he said because none of them agree completely with the other one which should be a little bit of a sign if you are a secular humanist that is following worldly philosophies. Have you noticed none of them are ever consistent with one another? Isn't that the kookiest thing? So Marx and Nietzsche, they tried to identify why is it that people are so repressed? Why, why, are, they, why are they not being able to act the way that they want to? And Marx believed that it was because of the, the, the politics and the government and the church, especially, that is forcing you to stuff your desires. And Nietzsche then went on to describe what would be a superman, what would be an individual who exemplified the best of being human. And the answer to that was, it is the one who bucks against society and societal norms. And so Carl Truman, in his book, identifies Oscar Wilde as one who would be considered a Superman by Nietzsche. Because he is not behaving in a Victorian-like manner. He's overt with his sexuality. He is challenging norms, flamboyant clothing. There's a guy who's kicking against the goads. Superman. Hold on. Philosophy doesn't stop there. 
It continues. And granted, you could identify a lot of other philosophers, but Carl Truman, for the sake of this book called Strange New World, segues then into Dr. Sigmund Freud. The chapter is titled Sexualizing Psychology and Politicizing Sex, which is what we're seeing these days. Sigmund Freud was all about human happiness. And he was the one who really has charted the course for our current culture. Today, it is true that many of his psychoanalytic theories have been thoroughly discredited. The notion of the Oedipus complex, for example, is widely dismissed as a fiction. But his legacy lives on in two important areas. His notion that sex is foundational to human happiness and his theory of civilization. If you're going to be happy, you need to stop being sexually repressed. The best thing that you can do for yourself is to experience physical pleasure. So go, man, go and get it. Whatever form it takes, just get it because you're not going to be happy unless you are. Thanks, Sigmund Freud. Thanks a lot. With the collapse of the belief in human nature as possessing an intrinsic moral structure, to which Marx's and Nietzsche's thought witnessed, the question of happiness becomes a matter of serious contention. What exactly does it look like? What is happiness? Does a Christian have an answer to that question? Yeah, we do, actually. But we have something called happiness on steroids. It's a word that we used to use called joy. That even if our circumstances are bleak, we still have joy because we do not have a wishful thinking hope. We have a hope that is secure. And even as we go through very difficult times, our emotions can still be stabilized because our feelings are not based on what is happening externally to us. It's based on the work of Jesus Christ. Freud obviously disagreed. Seeking pleasure and avoiding pain are key to the definition of happiness. And where is the greatest pleasure to be found? Here it is. Sexual love. This is what Freud said. He should make, the hu- a human being should make eroticism the central point of his life. The, se- the central point. Not just a point. Not just an add-on. No, no, no. This is what life is about, baby. Sex? Wow. This is from Truman. If the fundamental form of human happiness is pleasure derived from sex, then we can conclude that for Freud, human nature is at its deepest level sexual and that human beings are therefore defined in a basic way by their sexual desire. Is that perhaps illuminating when it comes to our current culture? That if somebody is simply seeking sexual gratification in whatever form that takes, if you are suppressing that or challenging that in any way, you are stifling the human being's happiness. And this is being manifested constantly these days with the arguments that are being set forth by secularists to redefine truth. Back to Carl Truman. It is difficult to overestimate the importance of this move to make sexual desire central to human identity. In modern society, 
Everything from the common use of terms such as straight and gay in everyday conversation to the underlying assumptions of international human rights law presuppose that this is the case. And the idea that human flourishing is virtually synonymous with sexual fulfillment is commonplace. This is Western culture. Freudian to the core, well, along with Nietzschean and Marxist thinking, has totally infected our society. If sex is basic to what it means to be a human being, the question arises, why then does society typically place so many restrictions on sexual behavior? Freud, he came up with an answer that had two dimensions. He sees morality as root at root as conventional, as a matter of cultural practices, and not as grounded in some larger objective moral structure or nature. And he sees moral conventions as serving to create and maintain civilization. So what we have done to maintain power is come up with rules connected to the divine, something eternal and transcendent, which gives it some oomph to keep you under control. That was Sigmund Freud. You hear early whiffs of CRT in that, don't you? And there's a reason for it. That Freud attributed to human unhappiness to sexual repression imposed on us by the church and even by society and those who are in power. That's the oppressed and the oppressor. Sound familiar? It's because he was influenced by Marx. These these hideous, horrible philosophies, they don't stand alone. They infect other philosophers. Freud argues morality is really a matter of cultural tastes. In this, we might see him as standing in line with Nietzsche and Wilde, who also saw ethical claims as actually aesthetic statements dressed up in the language of objective morality. That, that, that needs some explaining. But you hear the words dressed up in the language of objective morality. Have you noticed this is where the war is these days? Have, have you noticed that this is where the battle is really being fought? Over language? Over words? I think the life issue is probably the quintessential example of this. Abortion is an abortion. It's women's health care. What? How did we get there? It's by changing language. It's by redefining. Remember the Reverend Al Sharpton saying, hey, we, we've got we've to get Democrats in office by encouraging people to vote for choice. So abortion is not about the intentional taking of an innocent human being. It is about an individual's ability and right to choose how they want to live. And if you deny that right, you are robbing them of choice. And that means you are not only bad, but you're wrong. Carl Truman is going to help us understand how it is that our psychologized society now uses feelings to determine what is true. Next on Wretched Radio. How's inflation been treating you if costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home? Would you please visit MediShare.com slash wretched affordable biblical health 
sharing, Christians paying for other Christians' medical bills, which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for mm, bad stuff. Second of all, you can save on average $500 per month. And finally, MediShare, it's the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years. It works, and the members, including myself and Mrs. Friel, love it, which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance. If inflation has got you down, call up the people at MediShare, 844-34-BIBLE or MediShare.com slash wretched. Why do we believe so much in biblical counseling? Well, it's comments like these. I just haven't thought of it that way. Pretty intense, huh? Those are comments from real people receiving real biblical counseling for real issues in season one of Transformed. Released this year, Transformed is like nothing else you'll see on Christian TV. You're a fly on the wall witnessing real biblical counseling sessions. With Dr. Greg Gifford, professor of biblical counseling at the Masters University, he's our host and biblical counselor conducting these sessions, which deal with issues like anxiety, OCD, anger, trauma, depression, and much more. And Dr. Dale Johnson, the executive director of ACBC, is our other host. Dr. Johnson chalk talks the sessions to provide a deeper understanding of biblical counseling. Transformed is truly a one-of-a-kind production, providing you with an up-close look at the hope and relief only the Bible can provide. Transformed, from brokenness to wholeness. And it's available now at transformed.org. 200. That's right, 200 Tomorrow Clubs are now up and running again in Ukraine. That means kids are hearing the gospel, they're getting saved, their parents are getting saved, the church is getting strengthened. Not only are the Tomorrow Clubs busy preaching the gospel, they're also very busy helping people. This is our buddy Max in Ukraine. We have created the Ukraine Support Fund. Thanks to our partners, Tomorrow Clubs began immediate assistance to the network of the local churches that became a safe place for thousands of refugees fleeing their devastated homes. Providing food, providing clothing, potable water, a safe place, communication. Would you please consider becoming a ministry partner of the amazing ministry called Tomorrow Clubs? You can learn how you could participate in the spreading of the gospel in Eastern Europe at Tomorrow Clubs org slash wretched important dates in Christian history 1095 Pope Urban II launches the first crusade to reclaim Jerusalem from Muslim control the crowd wildly shouts God wills it there would be several crusades over the next centuries, with many tragic results and consequences lasting for centuries. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Don't like this song? Nothing more than fear. Count your blessings. This is Wretched Radio, right next to my feelings sound file. I had feminist singing. And if you don't like that cloying tune from Morris Alpert in the early 70s, count your blessings I didn't play this. <laughs> Feminist singing. Come a long way, baby. Can we not agree that that isn't as good as feelings? <laughs> as cloying as feelings is this. 
as agitating as that is, it reminds us God exists. Why? Because there wouldn't be better music. There wouldn't be pretty versus crude if there were not an objective standard of what is true, beautiful, lovely, worthy of praise. God exists, and it is demonstrated because we understand beauty and beautiful music, and we recognize this doesn't qualify. All righty then, now let's return to Dr. Carl Truman's strange new world. Well, that's the planet we are currently inhabiting. He is simply trying to explain how it is that we got here, and this is going to help you Understand why it is that you, dear Christian, are considered a big, awful, bad bully, and why your thinking is antiquated, and why it is evil. That's right, Christian thinking, which was generally embraced by Western civilization for centuries, is now the bad ideology. Why? Carl Truman, in Tracing Philosophical History, saw the trend of self, that we need to be the authentic you that you are by doing whatever it is that makes you happy. And so philosophers like Rousseau, who kicked it off, was carried on by Marx and Nietzsche, but then it was picked up by a fellow named Sigmund Freud. And he is the one who decided what makes us most happy, the thing inside of us that really brings fulfillment, is S-E-X. And that thinking, psychologized thinking about anthropology has made its way into culture. And this is why Christians are being shut down and we are being shut down in Western civilization. Now, in the Far East, in China, they're being shut down because they see Christianity as a threat to the government. But it's still Marxist thinking. That if the church is not allowing people to flourish in the way that they determine, well, then it's got to go. Carl Truman's book. You've heard these types of sentences uttered before. I don't like that. That behavior disgusts me. That was a tasteless joke. And here come some that are even a little bit more poignant. I find your argument offensive. Have you heard that? Have you read those stories? A teacher who will say something and the student is offended because that individual has a position that has been held for centuries on a particular moral issue. I find that offensive. You've triggered me. That was a hurtful comment. I felt unsafe in that classroom discussion. Where did these sentiments come from? Carl Truman, these statements are aesthetic in the sense that they are rooted in feelings or sentiments. We may well think we are talking about right and wrong, truth and falsehood, but the change in vocabulary is significant. A statement can be hurtful or offensive, but still be true, right? You can hurt somebody's feelings and it can be true. For instance, Jimmy. Yes. The way you're trimming your beard is just ridiculous. You're you're jealous? Well, I kind of am because I had to shave mine. (laughs) But besides that, let's say that hurts your feelings. It could be true, though. It could be true, but not today. If I hurt Jimmy's feelings, that means what I've said is false. Mm. Why? 
because feelings are preeminent. And if you hurt somebody's feelings, ergo, you're wrong. Truth is dictated and defined by feelings from Truman. Increasingly, we conflate the hurtful with the wrong and the affirming with the truth. So if I feel this way about, say, my gender and you affirm it, that's that then then you're right because you've affirmed the way that I feel. If you say that I'm wrong, then you're wrong. If you hurt my feelings, you can't possibly be right. Our very languages, our very language witnesses here to the collapsing of morality into questions of taste as shaped by the culture that surrounds us. As mm, unfortunate as that is to discover, it's helpful, isn't it? This, this does explain why so many kids are triggered by virtually anything. Feelings are everything. And different philosophers have encouraged us to have feelings of happiness and joy based on different, di- different definitions and standards. But predominantly, it has been over the issue of SEX, the physical act. And if you repress somebody's happiness by, in, by suggesting that their sexual preferences or their behavior, whatever it is, is wrong, then you're automatically wrong because you made me feel bad. Let's move to another philosopher to whom much credit must be given for our current mentality. His name is Wilhelm Reich. This was a fellow, a young psychoanalyst who was a Marxist, who had been part of Freud's circle in Vienna, but whom Freud himself came to regard as too extreme. But that's what happens with secular philosophies. Somebody comes up with something that pushes the envelope a bit, and then it settles into culture, it becomes normative, and then somebody has to do something more extreme and build on that and build on that and build on that until you are living in the world that we inhabit these days. Sexual codes must be shattered if human beings are to be truly free. This is Reich. Those things that inhibit the free sexual expression, even of young children, are oppressive and prevent individuals from being truly themselves. So that raises a question. Uh, Who exactly is going to facilitate this revolution in sexual codes if the family and church have a vested interest in maintaining the old oppressive standards of behavior. And Reich's answer, of course, was society. We got to let the culture do it. From Carl Truman, society will do so by promoting this sexual freedom and dealing severely with those who oppose it. In short, sex must become a pressing political issue in which the state takes a proactive interest. And isn't that what you're seeing these days? The implications? Massive. Example, the traditional notion of education flipped on its head. We used to think that education was taking an individual who was born a totally depraved sinner and helping them to learn to think rightly in alignment with reality, which is defined by God himself, and we try to help that individual to fit and function in society. No mas. For example, it turns this is this is Carl Truman. 
the institutional authority, how an individual is formed to curb natural instincts in order to become an adult member of society. But this, this, this is thanks to Wilhelm Reich, it's Rousseau with a twist. The authentic person is the sexual being, the one guided by the inner voice of sexualized nature. And the role of education is not to repress that for the purpose of personal formation, but to liberate it for the purpose of self-expression. And we saw this really pick up steam in the 60s. Carl Truman. It involves merely the expansion of the range of legitimate sexual activities and expressions is to miss the point of the sexual revolution of the 60s. The sexual revolution is not simply about the legitimization of sexual practices previously forbidden. Rather, it is about challenging the very nature and legitimacy of sexual codes in themselves. We, we used to have questions about, mm, well, how much skin should a human being bear, particularly the feminine gender? <laughs> That's ridiculous, says the world today. Why? Because they've shattered traditional moral codes. And how has that been done? It is thanks to psychology, which encourages you to do whatever makes you happy. It's manifested in the self-esteem movement, believe in yourself, you can do anything that you want to do, and you should do anything that you want to do. And don't let society, family, and the church tell you otherwise. Thank you, Sigmund Freud, and thank you, Wilhelm Reich. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. So I'm going to start by sharing information recently released in a report by Health Canada, but the mere existence of this report is almost as disturbing as the information itself. Almost. The Medical Assistance in Dying report for 2021 shows a 32% increase in the number of medically assisted suicides over the previous year in Canada. And not only is the number up 32%, but medically assisted suicides accounted for 3.3% of all deaths in Canada in 2021. A caring and compassionate Canada would be far better than a killing Canada. But maybe that's just me. And I, I cannot do this next story justice in trying to explain it, so just listen. Can we retire using Mount Rushmore? That should be offensive to all of us, especially Native Americans, indigenous people, who were the first people here before Christopher Columbus. I know you're going to see this video, and I know you're going to take action. Yeah, and making fun of you for calling a mountain racist. That's ESPN's Jalen Rose, and in all fairness, he didn't call the mountain racist, but rather the name of Mount Rushmore. But using the argument that Jalen Rose is using leads not only to the canceling of the name Mount Rushmore, but also America itself as a whole. And I'm not real certain that Jalen Rose or anyone else desires the greatest country they could ever hope to live in be canceled. They may think they do, but they really don't. And back to Canada we go now for this next bit of nuttiness. A mother and a grandmother of a four-year-old girl recently held a gender reveal party. So the four-year-old girl could tell the world she's now a boy. 
So nutty fact number one, she's four. Gender reveal parties are held pre-birth, you know, when people don't know the gender of the baby. And nutty fact number two, she's a girl, not a boy. So yeah, this is child abuse. It really is. And the state of Florida is doing everything it can to prevent this type of child abuse. Last week, the Florida Board of Medicine took a major step toward banning transgender treatments for minors by advancing a rule that prohibits children and teens from receiving hormone therapy or undergoing gender surgery. Florida Surgeon General said the recommendation to prohibit these things align with truth in terms of what we know versus what people want to happen. And I say amen to that, but unfortunately, most of America thinks truth is what they feel, and that's also not true. And last week, Indiana became the first state to ban nearly all abortions since the Roe v. Wade reversal in June. Taking effect on September 15th, the ban will also revoke the licenses of doctors who perform abortions in the state. And you know, it still baffles me, though it shouldn't, it does still baffle me that so many doctors fight to murder babies when they take an oath to help save lives just doesn't make any sense. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible The book of Daniel is about one man who submits to God above all else and God's faithfulness to his people in all circumstances. Daniel's prophetic visions teach us that God raises up and tears down kingdoms. All earthly kingdoms will pass away, but God will establish an everlasting kingdom. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. You are discouraged because your parents are pagans. This is a Wretched Radio. Perhaps you've lost hope. Perhaps your childhood was not, let's just say, fun. <laughs> you did not enjoy a warm familial relationship with your parents. And now perhaps you're an adult and your parents still not saved. And not only are they toxic, oh, so unpleasant to be around. Is there any hope for you? The answer is absolutely. And that is why we are going to listen to Dr. Heath Lambert He's at Fort Lauderdale Baptist Church. First Baptist Lauderdale or, or, or Jacksonville. I, Jacksonville. That's what I. <laughs> it's flat. It's windy. It's sandy. It's all the same thing. Dr. Heath Lambert, formerly the president of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, shared his testimony. And it's a hard one to listen to. It really is. Because I think it's pretty safe to say that while your relationship with your parents may have been as bad as Heath's relationship was with his mom, I don't think it could have been worse than what you're about to hear. This is going to be sad. And yet, I hope that it gives you hope. I hope that it helps you to be reminded that God is still saving pagan parents. This is Dr. Heath Lambert to do that reminding. I'm telling you my story and there's hatred in it and there is abuse in it, but that's not really what the story is about. It's a story of the grace of Jesus Christ to transform people and bring them into his kingdom. My mother was a drunk and she was a vicious drunk and she slept around. 
And it was those facts that really fueled the hatred and the fear of my childhood. When I think about what fueled the hatred and the fear of my childhood, I think really about three categories of things. The first was the abuse. It felt constant as a child. There was um, beatings with mop handles and uh. days without food. There was actual shooting at us. There was a time when she tried to drown me. There were nights spent uh, under hedgerows up against buildings just trying to find a safe place to sleep. There was a, a visit uh, to a foster home because uh, one Christmas night she got so drunk and chased us out into seven inches of snow and we were frostbitten and uh, the state had to do something. Needless to say, that wasn't a happy home. Do you have unbelieving parents? Do you wish your relationship were better. There is hope. Heath Lambert was living in, uh, uh, I wonder if he was starved too. His mom tried to kill him repeatedly, beating him with a broom handle. That isn't just a wooden spoon. That is a weapon. That was the toxic environment in which Heath Lambert grew up. Thankfully, the story continues. It's, it's schadenfreude. It's both sadness and joy and hopefully hope. But there was, there was other kinds of mistreatment that, that actually hurt more than, than a gunshot, that felt worse than uh, sleeping outside alone. There was the time that my mother told me that my father, who was the man I loved more than anyone in the world and who was the kindest man I knew, uh, she told me that he was actually not my father. I was crying for him while she was drunk and screaming and throwing a fit. And I just said, I want my daddy. And she let me know that he was not my daddy, just to, just to hurt me, just to get me to stop crying. And that, that turned out to be true. He was not my father. He was still a part of our life and fought to get custody of us. That fight for custody actually was hard because he wasn't uh, my biological father. But one time it, it got so bad with mom that they did award custody of us to him. And I lived with my dad wow. for the two best years of my childhood. And it was what I always wanted. I was living with my dad and life was wonderful. For 24 months. Childhood these days, of course, goes until the age of 35. Two years, two years of happiness. That's a bad mom. When an individual who is not a blood rebel relative gets custody of children that are not biologically his, that's a bad mom. And I never thought about my mother. And then she did get sober during those years away at a treatment facility. She recovered and she fought for custody and she got it. She showed up one afternoon with her boyfriend 
and we loaded our stuff up into the back of his red pickup truck to move two hours. To move two hours away from my father. And I can remember hugging him, hugging my dad and begging, begging that I wouldn't have to go. I realized that more than any hit over the head, more than any gunshot, the thing that was most painful about the way my mom treated me was that twice she took me away from my, twice she took me away from my father. And then unexpectedly, things started to turn. Before we get to that turn, did you hear the edit in that clip? Did you, did you notice how his voice kind of changed in describing how hurtful his mom was? Most painful about the way my mom treated me was that... He loses it here. Twice she took me away from my... Twice she took me away from my father. And he just can't speak. And then, then we see a different angle, different lighting, and a man who's pulled it together after breaking down, remembering how his mother treated him and how she robbed him of childhood happiness and a relationship with a man while not his biological father was actually acting like a father to him. This is perhaps a reminder that you are not an unusual person if the wounds perhaps still hurt, that the memories are still painful for you. Dr. Heath Lambert, as I mentioned, was the president of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. This is a man who knows about emotions. He's written books. He has counseled countless people dealing with wounded hearts, depression, anxiety, all sorts of confusion and trouble. And yet, he himself still loses it when he thinks back to the way that he was treated by that woman. And I say that woman because his mom became a different woman. Going to rehab, um, it, it might stop some of the violent behavior, but it doesn't necessarily stop cruel behavior. And that's what Heath Lambert experienced. That was his childhood. And finally, he's able to say, wait a second, this, this took a bit of a turn. And then unexpectedly, things started to turn. Um, and I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, ah. a dear friend that I came to know after moving off with my mother. That was a that's a that was a switcheroo, wasn't it? <laughs> you thought that you were going to hear things began to change. My mother, she became nice. She stopped beating us with a broom and actually used the broom to repair the house. Whatever. No, he got saved. He had his heart changed. 
And he then was able to do something the world simply cannot fathom. Instead of hating an abusive, drunk mom, he could start to love her because he was able to forgive her because he realized his biggest problem had been solved. In other words, what brought this man out of darkness into light was being brought out of darkness into the light. Heath Lambert got saved, changed his attitude toward his mom, but the question remains, did mom ever change her attitude? You're going to hear, and you will have hope. And a lot of tears next on Wretched Radio. Hey, isn't this groovy? Dozens of crisis pregnancy centers have been vandalized or set on fire because of the Roe v. Wade decision. A preborn center in Buffalo was firebombed. A preborn clinic in Gresham, Oregon was hit with an incendiary device. A preborn clinic in Miami vandalized and they're receiving bomb threats. In other words, the battle for life is becoming a battle for life. And yet, the preborn centers continue to open. Support organizations like Preborn and like your local pregnancy clinic that are unwaveringly and without fear opening again today, offering free, loving, Christ-centered alternatives to these young women. Be part of the solution. Please join the literal battle for life preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched are we heading toward a dystopian society who decides what is good and evil who decides what truth is are there such things as fate or free will morals are we born with those or does the culture we live in inform them those are all really good questions and topics that we tackle daily on wretched radio and tv our goal has always been to preach the gospel equip others to preach the gospel and strengthen the local church. And we're only able to do that with the help of our gospel partners. If you are a Wretched Gospel partner, thank you so much for your support, which has allowed us to create compelling quality productions that catch the eye of unbelievers, but aren't so cringy they make believers blush. And if you aren't currently, would you pray about becoming a monthly Wretched Gospel partner? Help us continue to reach millions all over the world with the gospel. Just visit wretched.org donate, or you can also so just as easily text the word wretched to the number 44321. You're familiar with this sound. You're sitting in church. Your pastor is preaching. You have your John MacArthur study Bible open. The pastor is reading the scripture. And all of a sudden you hear everybody in church turning the page because they all have the same MacArthur study Bible. Why? Because it is so helpful to be able to read study notes underneath the verses to really grasp what God's Word is trying to teach. How would you like to share the joy of putting a John MacArthur Study Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines? They typically make about 12 to $15 per, not hour, per day. It's a luxury item, and it would be such a blessing, $25 a Bible, Four Bibles, $100, or perhaps you could send a Bible to a brother or sister in the Philippines every single month. Would you please consider doing that to bring joy to our brothers and sisters? Wretched.org slash Bible. Names of God. 
we learn a lot about God from the names given to him in scripture. One name is El Roi, the God who sees. God is ultimately aware and concerned for us. Nothing escapes his vision. For the unsaved, this is a great terror. But for those who are in Christ, this is a great comfort. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And then, unexpectedly, things started to turn. Um, and I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen to that. This is Wretched Radio. That's the voice of Dr. Heath Lambert, the former president of ACBC, biblical counseling ministry. They train counselors and their certified counselors counsel people all over the globe. By the way, if you are needing some counseling that is biblical, biblicalcounseling.com, biblicalcounseling.com. Heath is now pastoring in Jacksonville, Florida sharing his testimony that I hope will bring you some hope that you will perhaps be able to forgive your abusive parents, whatever form it happened to take, and that you will have some hope that they too can change. This is Heath Lambert's testimony. A dear friend that I came to know after moving off with my mother told me that I was a sinner and that Jesus had died on the cross for my sins, and that if I would repent of my sins and trust in him, I could be forgiven. And and I could remember being confident as a little boy that my mom was going to kill me, that I was going to die, and then to have the offer of life to come from God himself changed everything. And I believed. And that, at 14 years old, was when the good part of my story started. But I was saved and I was walking with Christ, but I hated my mother. And that seemed as natural to me as breathing air. It didn't even, didn't even seem like there's anything wrong with it. My mom had earned my hatred. When you abuse your kids, when you mistreat them the way she did with me, when you commit adultery against the man that you love more than anybody, when you take your children away from that man, you deserve to be hated. And about a year after I got saved, I was on my bed reading Matthew 18, where Jesus gives the command that you have to forgive your brother from the heart. And reading that text was the first and only time when I believed Jesus took something from me that was mine. I believed my hatred of my mother belonged to me. And I knew when I read that, that he was talking to me. And I knew I could not hate my mother anymore. I wasn't sure how to not hate her. But I started sharing the gospel with her. And as I started to share the gospel with her, she went from hating me to hating me and thinking I was a weirdo. (laughs) Our relationship was that kind of uncomfortable for over a decade. But I kept sharing the gospel. I kept being kind to her. And one 
day in her little house that she lived in, I shared the gospel with her for the umpteenth time. And she said, I can't believe the gospel because I've sinned against God in ways that he can't forgive. Mm. Don't think she's alone in that sentiment. You might be witnessing to somebody and you feel like you are banging your head against a wall because they simply will not respond to the good news that their sins can be forgiven because they can't imagine how that could actually take place. Their sins are so grievous, the scars, the wounds, the consequences, all so painful, they cannot imagine the expansive grace of God covering them. If you're one of those people, you need to hear, it can and it does, and it will, no matter who you are, no matter what you have done. You are not beyond God's grace, and neither was the mother of Heath Lambert. She told me about an abortion that she had had before me and my brother were born, and she told me about the abortion that she wanted to have uh, to eliminate her pregnancy with me and my twin. Mm. Abortion is a stumbling block for a lot of women. Not for me. I've done something too wicked. I'm telling you, Jesus is for you. Because your depravity only magnifies his loving kindness. As bad as you are, his grace is better. And so through tears... She said, the only reason I gave birth to you uh, is because I wanted to trap this man into marrying me, and I never wanted you, and that is why I hated you for all those years. Hmm. My mom got down on her knees that afternoon, and she asked Jesus to forgive her, this woman who had terrorized me and who I had hated. It was a miracle. Uh, to be in the room when God changed her heart and transformed her into a child of his. And began the transformation of their relationship. If you have very bad parents, there's hope. It was at that point that I began to think about my biological father and how in the providence of God, I was connected with this man. I'd never met him. I'd never spent any time with him, but I believed I had a responsibility to him to share the gospel with him. And I was a nervous wreck. I didn't know what I was going to walk into, but I walked up to the door of his house and I knocked on the door and he opened it. And I said, my name is Heath Lambert. And I wonder if I could talk to you for a few moments. I said, listen, I just, I want you to know that you don't have anything that I want. I don't have anything against you. I am not angry with you. But God has placed our lives together in this weird relationship. And I want you to know that the most important thing that ever happened to me was that I came to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior. And one of the most shocking events of my life was when this man looked 
across his living room at me and he said, I want you to know that I have believed in Jesus. I have turned to Christ. I have repented of my sins. And I did that years ago. And for years, I've thought about reaching out to you and to your brother, but I didn't know how to do it. And he began to tell the story of how over the years he has um, read my books mm. and listened to my sermons and listened to podcasts. And he said, I don't know if it matters to you. I don't know if you care. But if it does, I want you to know that your ministry has meant a lot to me. And I am proud of you. And it did mean a lot to me. And the reason it means a lot to me is because God took abuse and sleeping around and drunkenness and gunshots and mop handles and hatred. And he used it all to build Christians. He was building the kingdom in the midst of my pain. He was using the word and the grace of Jesus Christ to draw people to himself. I tell you my story and there's hatred in it and there's abuse in it, but I don't think it's a story of hatred and abuse. I think it's a story of love and forgiveness and the grace of Jesus Christ. Have you lost hope that your relationship with your parents can be sweet? It was for Heath. He was hopeless, and then he was given hope, and then he wanted to give away that hope, and God granted salvation to his parents. Sadly, after things got better with mom, mom got sick and soon died after she was saved. Bitter and sweet all at the same time for Heath Lambert because finally his relationship with his mom was what a relationship with one's mom should be because they were in the faith together. And God decided to end that. And now Heath Lambert shares his story that you might have some hope. Keep witnessing to your parents. Keep loving your parents. Keep honoring your parents. Perhaps stop bad-mouthing them. Work on your bitterness toward them. Be reminded of the forgiveness that has been granted to you, who is a worse sinner than even your parents, because you know your sins. You don't know all of your parents, and God was willing to forgive you. And if he can forgive you, he can forgive your parents. Don't lose hope. Keep preaching the gospel to your pagan parents. And until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs>